What's up, my friends? First of all, hello. It's Christmas week over here. How are you doing? Okay, I know the holiday season can be a bear at times, so just wanted to give you a big old bear hug and tell you I love you and tell you to hang in there. We're almost through it. <laughs> it's been uh, just an absolute crazy few weeks for me over here. I just, man, there's just so much going on in life. I feel like life is just one big game of whack-a-mole. You know, that game from Chuck E. Cheese we used to play as a kid. We just get through one drama or situation settled, and then it's just in time for the next one to pop up. So anyways, uh, that's been my life. But I do want to tell you, I'm super excited. I'm finally ready to share that the Feel Better Journey group coaching program that I've been talking about for months and I've delayed for months is almost ready to launch. We've been doing a ton of work the last few weeks, and that's part of the reason why it's been crickets on the podcast. For some reason, I can only do one thing at a time, I guess. I don't know. But <laughs> that's a whole other issue that we'll get into after the first of the year. But it's all good. We will be announcing our launch date next week, actually, for that Feel Better Journey coaching program. And you guys, I'm so pumped. I feel like it's been a year in the making, and I'm so, so ready to do this with you guys. So if you don't know the Feel Better Journey, it's a six-week group coaching experience with me and you'll get a workbook and we're going to have audios to listen to each week. And well, we're also going to have live Zoom calls weekly with the group. I'm super jazzed about it. There'll be more information about it next week if you are interested. And if you are interested, uh, you can get on the wait list by sending me an email to hello at dannysumner.com. Again, it's hello at D for Danny, A-N-I-S- you, M as in Mary, N as in Nancy, ER.com. Okay, you guys, today we are in for a treat. We have Ron Huxley back on the podcast. And can I just say what an incredible man this guy is? I just actually re-listened to the conversation. And you guys, what Ron has to say is so, so good. And I, I want to let you guys know he was on episode 52 as well. The link will be in the show notes. That episode was phenomenal as well. Ron is just a wealth of knowledge and experience, and he just is such a godly man, and he carries such compassion and grace and wisdom, and he marries together both the Bible and Jesus and psychology and inner healing, and it's it's amazing. So you guys are going to love episode 52 if you haven't already listened. So like I said, Ron's a therapist, and I'll read his bio in a moment. But can I just personally say that I have seen this man's ministry in action. Anytime I get to talk to Ron, I'm just so blessed. And he's really easy to learn from. And his heart and his knowledge around inner healing is just such a gift to us all. So at the end of the episode, I want to let you guys know, Ron walks us through a meditation of sorts. He calls it resourcing or a way to integrate our bodies, minds, and spirits to find some peace in the moment. I call it the Ron Huxley. You can call it whatever you want. But let me just tell you, that two minutes at the end is worth the whole episode. It's really powerful. And he just teaches us a way to just breathe through and to kind of find some more peace within our hearts in a moment. So it's really good. There are so many good nuggets in this one for anyone walking through any inner healing journey, or if you've ever walked through trauma, or if you're just recovering from anything hurtful or harmful in your life. But I just have to say that Ron said a phrase that, by the way, I'm now stealing as my own, and it's called compassionate labeling. Holy moly, it rocked my world when he said it. 
And it's so, so good. And you don't want to miss that part of the episode as well. He also talks about three steps to help us heal from the harsh narrative that we might be battling at times in our heads. It sometimes can be a journey and it's not, you know, snap of the fingers, any magical healing. But I will tell you that these three steps, if you implement them and you start practicing them, they really for sure will help. Let me read Ron's bio and then we'll dive right in. Ron is a licensed marriage and family therapist with over 32 years experience in the mental health field. His specialty is creating practical tools for individuals and families in adoptions and trauma-informed care. Ron is the author of the book, Love and Limits, Achieving a Balance in Parenting, and the founder of traumatoolbox.com and familyhealer.tv media. You guys, in the show notes, there'll be links to the traumatoolbox.com and familyhealer.tv, as well as Ron's info if you want to get in touch with him. He's been doing this for over 32 years. I really think it's safe to say he's a trauma expert, right? I don't know who else to label trauma expert if not somebody who's been in the trenches helping people heal from trauma for so many years. Welcome to a Holy Mess podcast. All right, my friends, we all know life can be so difficult and painful at times, especially when we're carrying grief or loss or wrestling with shame about our past, anxiety about our future, or frankly, like we are just not enough. But there has to be so much more for us. There is hope and joy, peace, love, fun, purpose, and a reason that you, my friend, are on this planet. Let's partner with God so you can be who he created you to be as you wrestle through and trudge through your mess. Hi, I'm Danny, a recovering alcoholic, a mom, a wife, a mentor, and dust. We are only here for a moment. Let's live like it. I'm just like you. I'm a holy mess most days. Actually, every day. Let's have some fun and laugh while trudging through our mess. This stuff doesn't need to be dry and boring. Let's dig in. Hi, Ron. Hi, Danny. Thanks for saying yes and coming back on the podcast. Oh, what an honor to be able to come back on and, and talk with you. Oh, I'm so excited. Well, I know we were talking briefly before I hit record just about your wheelhouse being trauma and being that you're a therapist and just your vast experience with helping people as they navigate and work through their own traumas, as well as helping them navigate as they help others, like in their spouses or their kids work through their trauma as well, mm-hmm. and just holding space for them. So I just thought, man, Ron, give it to us. I'm just going to pull out my pen, <laughs> grab my paper and just start listening. So. All right. Yeah. Let's dive in. That's good. Awesome. Okay. So Erica and I, the gal that works with me for my podcast, we were kind of talking prior about how there's such power in labeling trauma, right? And Erica was saying that right now there's so many people are talking about stress and people are in crisis, but there's not really that much info or there's less info out there about what actually classifies as trauma or adverse experience. So can you just give us a definition Can you Ron Huxley it and give us a definition of trauma? Sure. I think the simplest way to describe trauma is any event that exceeds your capacity to cope. Mm. So that allows, obviously, for a lot of things to fit into that category. Typically, people will identify trauma as, like, I went to war and or I witnessed, you know, a horrific accident, or I was in a horrific accident, or I was a victim of a crime, or we think of really big T sort of trauma, and we eliminate a lot of the little T trauma, the 
day-to-day hassles and life events that come up, and they have a cumulative effect. Uh, Research actually states that the accumulation of these little traumas over time can have an equal effect on our life that would be consistent with post-traumatic stress disorder. And because they're little, we tend to push them to the side and think, well, that's just the way things is. That's how my life is. That's just what I have to deal with. And so we don't do anything about them. But they have a a cumulative effect, again, of overwhelming our ability to cope. And at some point, we break down, we burn out. Mm. Oh, my gosh, totally. It's interesting because I was journaling through. I knew we were going to record this today. And this morning, as I was journaling about trauma, not only my own life, but as I've seen people experience it. And I see a tendency, especially in Christian culture, to minimize trauma. Like, well, that's not really trauma. Like I compare my trauma to say Mm -hmm. your trauma, and I think your trauma is worse than mine. So I minimize my own. I think the other thing that I see a lot of, and I have a tendency, honestly, it's like, should I be still affected by this? I mean, Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Why is this still affecting me? Right? Like even from just like, it sounds so silly, but I'm not kidding. I think a lot of us have these thoughts of like, I'm a Christian. Why is this affecting me? Right? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, even being a Christian, we tend to put a lot of uh, focus on external things and performance-based sort of issues. And if we're suffering in this way or we're we're not meeting a standard or expectation that we've either imposed on ourselves or others have imposed on us that we think, well, that must mean then, therefore, that I'm not a good enough Christian, or I'm not a good enough mom, or I'm not a good enough dad, or whatever it might be. And so we tend to look for outside things to determine our inner worth. And so we do that with trauma, too. We say it's all about these external events, and we should be able to, or we ought to be able to keep up with them all, because other people do. I just need to pray more. I need to read my Bible more. I need to, you know, I just need to work harder. And it's something at fault with me. My gosh, you're 100% right. I mean, when you said the thing about we look at external things to validate our internal success or or whatever you said there, it really spoke to me completely because, yeah, I I loved how you put that. I absolutely loved how you put that. That's so good. Interestingly enough, the reverse is actually true, right? In the kingdom of God, a lot of what we assume our assumptions are incorrect and the kingdom of God can be very confusing because it's actually looking from an internal perspective, not an external perspective. And so, you know, God looks on the heart. And even in, you know, our trauma research, there's a lot of talk about how really we have to focus on how to heal from trauma from the inside out and not look so much on the outside in. Gosh, I love that. I love that. I was thinking how some of us are in denial of trauma and the trauma that we're Mm -hmm. experiencing or dealing with and how at the root of it is really just grief, right? Because what are the five stages of grief they talk about? Denial, bargaining, depression, acceptance. I'm missing one. Yeah, we have uh, denial or shock. And then we can go into some level of bargaining, trying to work it out in some way. And then when we that, that sense to fail, we move into some place of anxiety and then depression, like like it's hopeless. Yes. But we have to move through those stages to get to what Kluber Ross talked about in the stages of grief, which is acceptance, trying to get to some place. And acceptance doesn't mean that's okay that it happened. It just simply means 
we've come to learn that we can live in, a, in this reality of the loss of whatever we've gone through and find a new way to find meaning in our lives. But again, that's an inside job too, because you can't look to external things to define what that meaning is. So true. It's so true. I mean, as you're talking, I'm thinking about that grief link. And I think about mm -hmm. how, guys, if you're in this place where you just feel funky, you feel stuck, and there's just little T traumas going on, and maybe you wouldn't even label it little T traumas, but there's just thing after thing. It's almost just like it's whack-a-mole in your life. There's just complex <laughs> losses over and over and mm -hmm. over again. You guys, that really could be some adverse things going on where you could legitimately label it trauma. And that, that doesn't mean you're going to need to go to therapy for 10 years or anything, but there's such power in even just labeling it and recognizing it. And I think if you're in that place of, is this really that traumatic? That could be just grief. You're just grieving the loss or the frustration right. of what's going on. And so you're just labeling it. And that's part of grief is kind of denial or bargaining or trying to figure it out. And so even giving yourself space to Give yourself a minute to figure it out and to ask yourself these things. Yeah. And I like the use of the word labeling because the what labeling does is it allows you to create a little bit of space between me and the traumatic or stressful event so that I can have a little more cognitive, creative problem solving on how to handle that situation and, and to deal with it in a little more calmer brain. When we don't create a little of that space, i.e. by labeling something, then we tend to assume that it's some internal problem with us, or we try to overcompensate to deal with it. And sometimes it's just a sense of compassionate labeling, like, oh, that's anxiety, or that's trauma, or that's depression, or that's just one of those, I'm just one of the stages of grief. I understand what that is. So that we can not live out of reality, but live in acceptance of reality and better manage. I love that. I love that phrase, the compassion labeling. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Instead of just, I mean, I don't know, but I think we, myself included, Christians, a lot of the times label ourselves in such harsh ways or such harsh yeah. judgment, you know, and mm -hmm. we use more harsh judgment than compassion labeling. And so I love that. You guys, we need to start labeling things with compassion and not judgment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, you said it something to the fact earlier where we're really quick to forgive others, but not ourselves, right? We're really quick to have compassion for others, but not for ourselves. Or, you know, we certainly, the things we say to ourselves in our head, the way we drive ourselves are something we wouldn't tell our best friend. And so if we can try to look at treating ourselves with even just a, a small amount of what we would do for somebody else, we could be more effect, resilient um, in the face of adversities. And we would be better able to recover and, and to cope with them because we'd be more resourced. Amen. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Well, and it's it's like curious instead of labeling it with judgment, yeah. being more curious of, well, that's fascinating. I wonder why this mm -hmm. is affecting me so much. Right. I yeah. wonder why this is hitting so many deep buttons within me that's causing me to be way more reactive than responsive. Right. Yeah. Right. And all of that. And that can just be the underlying trauma or distressing event that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the second piece that I always look at after labeling is I describe as listening, right? You have, what is this reaction in you trying to communicate? Where is the need? Where is the desire? 
What is maybe a God trying to tap you on the shoulder to tell you, right? What is life trying to teach you? And there are probably patterns of behaviors of things in your life that are just no longer functional and need to be let go, which is kind of a third step of this piece of letting go. But if you can stop and listen, you can have a little more wisdom about who am I? What do I need to deal with? How I can cope with this situation? And again, it's not living in denial because you're quite aware of exactly what's going on. But the wisdom allows you to do it without all the negative triggering energy. My gosh, I love that. I love how you said, and that leads you to compassion and curiosity, and then being able to let it go and not hold on to these coping skills that aren't serving us any longer. Right. Yeah, that's fascinating. It's interesting because I've I've been thinking about how, you know, I'm in recovery, right? I'm 12 years sober Mm -hmm. and drinking worked for a while. That's why I did it, Mm -hmm. right? That's that's why we do it. We drink the wine or whatever because it's working. But then when it no longer serves its purpose in our life and call it what you want, an idol, a medicating factor, I mean, it's time to deal with that issue so that you can put it to rest and move on to healthier coping skills, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's just, and again, it's in medicating what, right? Mm-hmm. What is the pain it's trying to numb you to? Looking at the root issues behind all these repetitious patterns that keep coming up in our lives. And sometimes they're just things that we can't control and are not our fault, right? They just happen. Like there is a big crime that occurred or a victimization or, and you didn't do anything wrong, right? You didn't have any fault in this situation. It just, like the child who gets abused, right? That is not their fault, but it happened to them. I think the the listening, the labeling, the listening, the letting go, all these things, what they allow that person to do is to not internalize that story that says, I something bad happened to me, therefore I must be bad. Mm. There's something wrong with me, right? I don't have worth. I don't have value. And that's where that trauma from a spiritual perspective changes our identity. And we tend to come and see ourselves in the world as unsafe and in a very negative way. My gosh, 100%. I mean, and you guys, the thing that is so crazy about this is most of this is unconscious work, right? We don't consciously go around saying, oh, I'm so unworthy. I feel so unworthy. I mean, maybe we do at times, but I think that a lot of this is unconscious and it drives us. And so when we're able to label things, it kind of pulls it out of the, the vat of dysfunction, right? The, mm-hmm. the bowl of dysfunction to be able to label it and then put it where it needs to go. Label it trauma, compassionate curiosity. Oh my gosh, this is what yeah. drove me to drink. I mean, it's taken me years to kind <laughs> of get to more of the root of my yeah. medic. I mean, when I quit drinking, I think I knew right away what was driving me, but oh my gosh. It was like layer upon layer, onion upon la- onion. I still see dysfunction mm-hmm. in myself. And I'm like, I'm not drinking, but holy moly, can I fall into codependency in about 0.2 seconds with people sure. I love or care about, right? Right. Yeah. And because, you know, you're human or the Bible refers to it as flesh, carnal. And that simply means we live in a broken world with broken people and we've been hurt. And our bodies take on the ability to protect ourselves. That's why they react or trigger responses occur to initiate those defensive, deep down, unconscious biological defenses, which are there to protect us. And they serve us well. We don't want to remove them. They actually 
are necessary, but oftentimes they will falsely signal. And so they're actually, alarms are going off when there's actually no real threat. And now it's driving our behavior. Oh my gosh. 100%. 100%. I love the three L's. So you guys, if you didn't listen to the last episode Ron was on, the link will be in the show notes because he had another amazing takeaway about three healing strategies that you guys need to go back mm-hmm. and listen to because it's phenomenal. And I refer to it often in my own life about healing, but I love how you talked about labeling, listening, and letting go. So from just a fundamental aspect, okay, so we're going to compassionately and curiously, kindly to ourselves, label things. Okay, this might be trauma. This might be grief. Oh, it might be because, you know, my child is doing X, Y, or Z and it's chronic issue and it's really affecting me and it's very distressing. Like, let's just kind of keep it kind of simple. What's the next step with listening? Is it listening to our bodies? Like, oh, when I'm around this situation, it gives me anxiety. I get a stomach ache. My neck starts to hurt, right? Like, right. could this be the Holy Spirit leading me to put up some boundaries or like to explain? Can right. you unpack listening a little bit? Sure. Technically, what I do is I will ask people to identify where in your body are you feeling the distress, whatever the situation or circumstance might be. And they often say like, oh, it's my heart, right? I feel that in my heart. Or maybe it's like, you know, it's in my shoulders or whatever it might be. And I just simply say, I haven't put a hand in that area where they're feeling that. And then to label, what is that? What is underneath that stress, right? And is it a, a thought about themselves? Is it a just a sensation? Is it an emotion? Maybe it's grief they can identify once they label that. And then, then I ask them to stay present with that place where that feeling is most strong or that thought is the most strong. And then what is it trying to communicate? What does your body want you to know? What does your heart need you to understand, right? Or what is God maybe inviting you into? And so it may be different in terms of how you ask the questions, but basically it's allowing yourself to stop and to listen. Okay. And you almost every time people will quickly identify. Very rare that someone can't identify what is wanting to be communicated. And it may be their body says, I've been pushing it too hard. Or I feel like God's really inviting me into a season of rest. And I haven't been listening. Right. And so these these things are almost because they're right there, but we just sort of push them out of awareness. My gosh, that's amazing. Yes. Yes and amen. As you were doing that. I literally was like, put my hand over my heart. I'm like, I can, oh my gosh, you're absolutely right. Because I think all of us can resonate. And actually at the end of this, I'd love to walk through kind of a visualization with everybody where we all kind of do that together. I think that could be really powerful. So we label it, then we do that exercise, listen to our bodies, listen to what the Holy Spirit says to us. Because some of us just need to take five seconds, take a few deep breaths. The Holy Spirit is nudging us, right? And sometimes we doubt. Oh, yeah. It's him. But typically, if it's, you know, if he's trying to bring more healing and more awareness, I I find that to be the Lord, right? And then absolutely. how do we bridge it to letting go? Like, how do we get to that surrender place? Yeah. And I know this is not by any means an exhaustive way to do this, but it might just be a, a good little spot check we can do in 10 seconds, or it might take five years to actually unpack it all. But what do you do with letting go? How do we get there? Well, I think once you have identified what you're feeling, just say you're feeling grief from a loss. And once you've identified it, and then you listening to what your body is saying, you know, I need you to take better care of you. 
I need you to feed me better, to get more rest. I need you to slow down. And once you've listened to that, then whatever you were believing about yourself that was blocking that or keeping that from happening, I have to keep going. I can't stop. The pain's too big. If I stop, I'm going to fall apart. You have to let go of that, right? It's that lie you might be believing. It's that vow that you made, or it's that uh, agreement with some form of action that is just not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And whatever that thing is that you've identified from listening, you're just letting go. It's just merely a choice. I just have people, and we could definitely walk people through a short little exercise of it, but it's just basically just saying the words, I choose to let it go. And just those words alone, oftentimes people will get a lot of relief. And usually at this point, people are breaking down in tears <laughs> because the body has been working so hard to hold on to all. Well, as you said it, I kid you not, I kind of said it in my head and my shoulders relaxed and I wanted to cry. Mm -hmm. Right. Because as you were talking, an issue in my own life came up. And so I've been walking through it as you've been talking. And you guys, I'm telling you, like my shoulders relaxed a little bit. It's just, it's fascinating how this whole process even works. But when we take the time to even pause and begin to unpack things and label them and then listen and then have the tools to be able to let go, and maybe it'll come back up in an hour and a half. I don't know, but yeah, I got some freedom for this 10 minutes right here, right? And that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And once you have experienced some freedom, however small that is, Danny, you you gain hope increases, right? Hope that's beginning like, well, maybe there is a little, there is a chance that I can lay this down. Maybe there is, it is possible to get past this. And that hope that comes up for you grows. And we need hope in the middle of our struggle, not after it's over. So the letting go act just by simply saying, I choose, puts you in a position for greater breakthrough. Well, I love that. And well, in saying the word I choose, it gives us our, you know, our chutzpah back, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. she's in power. So many of us feel like all this trauma and stuff, It's we have no choice in this. It's out of our control. It's yeah. been done to us, right? And it's that victim right. place, which we all have it. I mean, we all have it. But the reality is, yeah. no matter how bad any of us have been victimized, we do have some choice to partner with Jesus to get some healing or move the needle a little bit, right? Because right. he hasn't yeah. left or forsaken exactly. any of us, right? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah, he said, I never leave you, never forsake you, which means that he's actually in the pit of it with you. Right? Mm -hmm. He's saying, I'm here. And it's my presence that will bring you the deliverance and the freedom that you're looking for. We just want him to stop, you know, stop the chaos and for a moment. And he can do that and does bring breakthrough. But oftentimes what he's doing is not trying to change our circumstances. He's trying to change you. Mm -hmm. Because we do live in a world, like he says, that, you know, in this world, you will experience trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer, which is like, why should I be a good cheer? I don't have nothing to cheer about. And then he gives you the answer because I've overcome the world. Amen. Amen. Man, Ron, this is so good. One of the other questions that Erica had that she mentioned mm -hmm. that I think is so good. How do we care for ourselves and be gracious with ourselves as we're doing this trauma work, as we're labeling things trauma and going through it, how, I mean, is it just more self-care stuff? I mean, what have you found in your practice helping so many people? How do we change our voice in our head even to be gracious to ourselves? And I know mm -hmm. we've touched on this a little bit, but yeah. do you have any more thoughts on that? Yeah, I like to have people try to visualize their, the little Danny or the little Ron inside of them, right? There's, there's a child inside of you. It's a metaphor. 
But when you say that that part of you that is still hurting, that's still a little child, or that part of you that um, suffered this when you were eight, to recognize that person and what they need, and sometimes that's part of our listening experience and how we listen to what their needs are. And then we comfort that image of ourselves within us. And it's much we're much more likely to have compassion for that little child within us than to have this expectation as an adult that we should do this and we ought to be able to do that and just keep beating ourselves with a stick to move harder, go faster, work longer. So, and sometimes I always suggest, you know, find a picture of you when you were a child that you think is just adorable, right? Take that picture and keep it in your wallet or in your purse or in your pocket and look at it and remind yourself that's the person I'm trying to help. Amen. I love that. That's powerful. I mean, that's inner child healing work, right? For sure. That's amazing. That's a great idea. So when someone that we love is going through trauma or working through their own trauma, how do we have healthy relationships with them? Yeah. How do we unpack that? Yeah. Well, it's a multifaceted sort of response to that question based on the kind of situation. But I think overall, the idea is the concept of honor and it's honoring the work that they're doing honoring the space that they might need to do it, honoring the emotions that they might be feeling as they come up. And what we're doing in this attitude of honor is stepping back and not taking things personal or not trying to fix the situation for them. We honor the journey they're on and the space that they need to experience the feelings that they have. And in doing that, that allows us to say, okay, I can step back and not be codependent or enmeshed in this situation or take this personal. Ooh, that's hard. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's simple, <laughs> but it's not easy. That's great. Thanks for all those words, Ron. I don't know how to live it, but I appreciate the pretty paragraph you just said. <laughs> well, I think the, the living part is the reminding ourselves, right? It's saying, okay, in this situation... I don't have to fix Danny. I have to let Danny have her space to go through her healing. And this anger that she's expressing right now towards me isn't really about me, right? So it's a lot of reminding yourself. And a lot of it requires our own work to be able to be differentiated and know who we are so that we don't get caught up in the dynamic. It doesn't mean you don't feel the pull, right? You want to say those words back or you want to just tell them how to fix it or to shape up or, you know, just stop it. But in the end, we, we tend to remind ourselves, this is not my journey. It is affecting me. And I can set boundaries with people who maybe are mistreating me in the process, but I have to let them walk through their healing journey. Yeah. Amen. It's so hard. It is hard. It's so it's hard, especially here deeply. And we're deeply caring people. I mean, I think Christians, yes. especially who've experienced some of Jesus's love and grace. Like we are just deeply caring people. And honestly, I think the people that do this work are still in touch with themselves enough to have these deeply caring feelings, right? We're not numbed out yeah. so much that we don't feel or, so it's, it's hard, but I love that self-talk. I mean, I, man, so much of all of this just goes back to self-talk and talking to ourselves graciously. Right. And yep. what I heard you say was just saying, man, it's not about me. Like they're upset, but I didn't deserve that anger. So I'm not going to receive that anger. I'm going to let that be about yeah. them. They're obviously grieving through something or upset about something else that triggered them. And 
maybe they'll apologize, yeah. maybe not, but I'm going to give them space and grace to process through their own stuff. Yeah. And you may have to do a lot of forgiveness work your own. Say, I have to forgive them for the actions that they're engaging in, or maybe the, the extreme behaviors that they're trying to use to cope through this situation that may be hard. I have to forgive them for not meeting my expectations. I have to forgive myself for limitations that I have or ways that maybe I've contributed to it. There's a lot of forgiveness work that has to go through this. But it, forgiveness, I like to say, is forgiving back. It's like I'm carrying these burdens about something or for someone, and I have to give those back. I can't keep carrying these burdens. Oh, I love that. Forgiveness is a whole... We should have you on again to talk about forgiveness because forgiveness is... That's his whole... This whole show, for sure. It is. It's its own series. Let's just be real. Forgiveness is, yeah. man, it's so complicated and yet so simple. And sometimes it's just saying the words so that the Holy Spirit can actually move in our hearts and help us to forgive, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's amazing how words, you know, we talked a lot about words as kind of a, a thread through all of this, what we say to ourselves, how we label things, forgiving, and how we speak to other people, how we talk about ourselves. The words are really important. And the way in which we hold meaning around things. And so, you know, and I do as an exercise, sometimes I'll say, people say, you know, just try to say it out loud. I really love myself. I think I'm really amazing. You'd be surprised how many people who wouldn't say they have low self-esteem can't get the words out. Or if they do say them, they will say, I'll ask them, now, how true does that feel? And it's like, mm, that's not true. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. That's fascinating. I mean, I because I've been working through this with a couple of women in my life. And it's just fascinating because I feel like the enemy or the world has just harmed us in such a way that we can't internalize like the true love, compassion, and grace of God in a way that knowing we're so uniquely made, right? We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We're the apple of his eye. Like Mm -hmm. we deserve to love ourselves too. I mean, if God actually loves us so much, and went through all of this for us, I think he wants us to love ourselves, right? And not in some narcissistic, crazy way. No. You know, and I always tell people, if they're worried about being narcissists, they're not, (laughs) right? Yeah, right. Yeah, usually narcissists don't come up with that question. Am I a narcissist? Yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. No, God does want us to love ourselves. He says, you know, it's got part of his great commandments, you know, to love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. So part of our capacity to love others is our ability to love ourselves. But you know, scripture also says that we love because he first loved us. Right. So even the act of loving yourself comes as a result of what he has deposited in us. So really, it's not a selfish pursuit to love oneself. Amen. And you guys, if you're struggling with loving yourself or you feel like, gosh, why am I getting it wrong? I just want you to know it's probably because you've lived through some pretty traumatic things in your life Mm -hmm. that have taught you, right? We learn through experience, whether good or bad, but we learn through these experiences and it helps us figure out who we are and the decisions we make. And so life has probably taught you not to love yourself. So, but I just want to give you hope. You can reteach yourself to love yourself and to receive God's grace. And it's a process and sometimes it can be painful, but I don't care what you've done or where you've been, man, there's so much love and grace and compassion for you on this planet from the Lord and from other believers that will love you and speak life into you and will teach you to love yourself and speak life into yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's been the journey for me because I hated myself for way too long. And now, now I giggle about it for a while. I was like angry and like sad and forlorn about it. But now I'm like, gosh, 
I wasted so much time hating myself. And it's like life just taught me to hate myself, right? My choices taught me to hate myself. But if none of that stuff defines who I am at my core, right? right? Right. And yeah. so it's been so true. Working through traumas can be traumatic, but it's very healing. I mean, there's so much hope on the other side and not even on the other side as you're working through it. I mean, there's still stuff right. I'm working through in my own life that still pretty traumatic at times when it triggers me. But holy cow, the freedom and the joy and having the tools and the people in my life to help me unpack that. It's miraculous. I wouldn't change it. I can honestly, honest to God, say now I would choose to go through that trauma, whatever you call it again. Mm-hmm. It might sound crazy to some people, but to experience the hands and feet of God in so many people in my life and yeah. experience more freedom and joy. And it's so complex and yet beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a journey, as we say, people hate that, but yeah, it's so true. It is a journey. We will be working on this all of our lives, but you'll gain progress and more joy and more hope and more self-compassion and compassion for others as you go through this journey because of what you went through. I think people who've gone through trauma can have a greater sense of compassion and empathy for people who are going through trauma, particularly, you know, like you've gone through recovery. So you have compassion for people who are struggling through recovery because of your unique experience. It gives you a greater level of depth and love for other people. Yeah. Amen. God uses what he uses. I mean, by the grace of God. Well, Ron, you're incredible. I'm such a huge fan of Ron Huxley. Could you, before we hang up, I mean, it's the holidays too. So let's Mm -hmm. just be real. Grief is triggered. Trauma is triggered during the holiday. I mean, there's just so much. And I was thinking, could we walk through kind of that heart process that you did earlier in the call? But we maybe all of us have grief. And I just thought, man, what if we just thought about grief? And then you walked us through that and we can let the Lord do what he wants to do. Yeah, you know, and um, actually we can do the same exercise in a resourcing way. We can kind of act people to take a moment and to picture something that brings them joy. Mm. And maybe it's a time in their life many years ago. Maybe it was an event. Maybe it's just a best memory that they've had. Maybe it's an encounter they had with with Jesus that uh, was really profound. And if people now just close their eyes and allow themselves to think back to a powerful, positive, joyful memory, something that may have touched them or profoundly affected them, and just to remember that event, and just to remember the much detail of that event, how it felt, how it looked, what it sounded like, and just allow themselves to remember it. If their mind wanders, just bring it back to it, take a long exhale, and just breathe as we're doing this, and then just put a hand over their heart, and, and just allow themselves to feel the comfort and joy of that memory. And now, to themselves or out loud, they can just simply repeat the words, I choose the joy and hope. And I let go of any pain or hurt. I choose to love myself and other people. And I choose to let go of resentment and unforgiveness. I choose to forgive myself for any words or actions I have done. Just take a long exhale again. 
And then notice in our body how we're feeling. Just scan from head to toe, notice any way in which you felt relaxed or more comforted. And then take a choose a period of time each day or several times a day to continue to use this resourcing memory to give us resilience and help us stay regulated and feel a place of hope as we go through this Christmas season. Amen. That was so good. Awesome. That was amazing. Do you do that every day? That's I, I think I just found my new favorite little tip and trick. Yeah, some version of that. So that are gratitudes or some type of affirmation over myself. But yeah, what we're doing is we're really, because we're body, mind, and spirit, what we're really doing is we're actually engaging all three of those domains of who we are. Our body, where are we feeling? Our, our mind, our memories, thoughts, emotions. And then we're just connecting with God and through letting go and asking for forgiveness and forgiving. Oh, I love that. I love that. Ron, what are we going to call that practice? What do you call that? I think just a letting go practice. I think the various labeling and listening, I, I call it just a integrating practice or a trauma resolution practice. Okay. I think I'm going to call it the Ron Huxley. Okay. That sounds good. You guys, so we're going to name that the Ron Huxley. <laughs> that's awesome oh again this is so good okay. you're right here first right yeah this is it and that's amazing okay i love it that's such a good resource i mean that's just something so simple we can do every day just to i felt more grounded i felt mm-hmm. i have a busy day ahead of me and i tried to still my heart my spirit for this call and i just feel more grounded and settled now so thank you that was yeah yeah so powerful ron okay ron tell us how we can connect with you And can you talk about your trauma toolbox a little bit? Because I really want that to be a resource for people. And I just, I'm a big fan of it. So talk about it. Yeah, yeah. People can find me online at ronhuxley.com. That's my personal website and blog. And I have a number of articles and information there, as well as people who want to schedule sessions or more time with me can find ways to do it there. And then the traumatoolbox.com. That's the website, traumatoolbox.com. That is a site that looks at trauma-informed care from perspective of what is trauma, how it affects our nervous system, how to deal with regulation and resiliency issues, looking at trauma-informed principles in the home, for parenting, in the school environment, and in the community. And so there's a, a ton of free resources and materials that people can go through. And if they want a certificate, they can answer a quiz after watching the various videos on the site and then they get a free um, certificate of completion. So you can't lose. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Well, I want to go through it. I've played around in the website and I, mm-hmm. I want my certificate, Ron. So I'm going to go finish those videos All right. to get my certificate. Well, this was awesome. You can do it. Thank you enough. Have a Merry Christmas. And thank you so much. Hello, my friend. If this episode blessed you, made you laugh or triggered you, Hey, that's growth please do me a favor and share this with a friend. And if you feel led, please leave a written review for the show. That really helps us out. Don't forget you are in good company if you're feeling more broken than you'd like to admit. And you are more loved than you can ever imagine. Have a great week. See you next time.